0: This is your Olympic hero and former WWE Champion, Kurt Angle. And I
1: just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's
0: damn true. It's the
2: Granddaddy Law! Welcome to Starcade!
0: From the Starcade Studios in Kansas City, Missouri. The Pinnacle of Hard-hitting sports talk, featuring weekly expert analysis and exclusive interviews.
3: And now, here are your hosts, Nitro Noah Groniger and Mr. Electricity Clint Sweitzer.
4: And welcome to Starcade Stories. I'm Clint Sweitzer. Alongside Noah Groniger, we certainly hope that you had a wonderful and happy. Holiday season here as we are just before New Year's. We're right after Christmas, right in that in-between time, which means it's bowl week. And the NFL is hitting its crescendo with playoff implications coming up and with the Chiefs just suffering another devastating loss. This time to the Las Vegas Raiders, we felt we had to bring in some of the big guns. We had to bring in our good friend, the former CBS color analyst and Cincinnati Bengal. He's going to help us preview Chiefs-Bengals. It is none other than Solomon Wilcott. Solomon, welcome to the show. I don't know if you're still endorsing composure, but I sure the hell hope you brought me a doctor's note today, buddy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we could all use a little (laughs) composure. There's no doubt about it. I'm
4: out of my last prescription of it uh, that we got at the Super Bowl. So I hope we see you in Vegas
0: because I need some more. We'll be there. We'll see you there, okay?
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, Solomon, uh, when you see the Kansas City Chiefs Struggle like this, you know, many people had the Chiefs repeating as uh, world champions and it's easy to do that when you got a quarterback and, and a head coach tandem of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. When you watch them play, you know, we they're nine and six. We've just seen them play 15 weeks of inconsistent Football and after yesterday's performance, when you see a team that doesn't that doesn't look focused or coached or prepared, uh, what does that tell you about the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward? Not only this Sunday against Cincinnati, but playoffs if if there's even a chance. What does that tell you about the team, Solomon? It tells
0: you that there are some areas in decline. It tells you that there are some areas that are not executing up to the standard and the levels that we were accustomed to seeing at least over the last five seasons. Um, and, and we tend to have, I think, take a lot for granted when we have a sort of a Superman who wears an S on his chest and a cape at the quarterback position. Um, we kind of look at it like we do uh, when we go to the movies and, and we go to the theater. We think that guy, the quarterback, is like the leading man uh, in a film who's always going to win the day. And we forget that it's a team game, guys. We forget that the quarterback needs everybody else's help to do his job and if you've got those other areas taken care of now the quarterback can help elevate the team but if you don't have those bases covered there's going to be holes if you're dropping passes if you can't protect your quarterback if you don't have a run game that all of a sudden disappeared from kansas city the offense is going to struggle and hit some all-time lows like what we're seeing currently
3: yeah and solomon that's kind of what i wanted to talk to you about because. We see the receivers, what they had last year. They're kind of only missing Juju from that group. They added Rasheed Rice, a rookie, who's really coming on. Uh, but you see kind of the downfield passing game isn't working. They're just kind of not in rhythm. Patrick Mahomes is struggling. You saw it uh, yesterday with the interception, with the fumble on the trick play. Just what do you make from just kind of only missing Juju, but this this offense just looks so stalled and off. They gave Jawan Taylor the $80 million, and he's not working out the most penalized player in the NFL.
0: Well, yeah, you're missing your two offensive tackles last year. So your ability to protect the quarterback and generate a run game. Orlando Brown Jr. is an excellent run blocking offensive tackle, right? Um and that's what they've been able to do. I remember when Eric Bieniemy uh and I have to offer this disclaimer cuz he's a young man that you know, I'm very close to um helped to recruit him at the University of Colorado. It's already well known and But I know what kind of young man he is, and I know what kind of player he was, and I know what kind of coach he is. He's a guy that breathes this fire. He's like that professor you had in college, the one you hated the most because they rode you the hardest. But at the end, you end up being more thankful to him for caring enough to kick you in the butt when you needed it, right, and ultimately was a difference maker in how you turned out. And I do think there had maybe been some exhaustion, the players and everyone – Because Eric stayed on these guys. Who's doing that now? Where is that in the building? Because at the end of the day, Andy Reid is, he's the guy up above. It's a good cop, bad cop scenario. And Andy's the guy and he'll get on you. But, you know, he is the mastermind that puts it all together. But he needs boots on the ground. He needs generals on the ground who are going to be demanding so that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to start yelling and screaming. And more has been placed on... Patrick Mahomes, then let's face it, then what should be? Because quarterbacks aren't enforcer. Quarterbacks can't go through the locker room and make the other 52 guys and demand excellence from them if it's not being um, demanded at the highest level. How, how many of you guys can go to your coworker, lateral move, and start jump jumping on them and yelling at them and think it's really going to make a difference? That's got to come from top down. And so I think we're starting to see some pieces get out of order because those are acts of desperation because they're missing more than just pieces on the field. They're missing some overall pieces.
4: We're speaking with a former CBS color commentator, Solomon Wilcott's one of my favorites (laughs) of all time. We got to know you a little bit at the Super Bowl last year in Phoenix. And I made the joke about the composure as that you've a wonderful product that you're affiliated with. And, boy, I need some Solomon because it seems to me like here in Kansas city anyway, that the walls are closing in a bit. The chiefs have kind of become that villain out there that everybody is loving to see this fall. That's going on. Mahomes is losing it on the sidelines. Travis Kelsey's throwing his helmet. We've had the Taylor Swift thing going on all year. This chiefs team spent all off season on Saturday night live and in commercials on Jimmy Fallon and uh, at, at golf tournaments. I mean, does it just feel like that the wheels are coming off and that, the distractions and the hunger from winning at the high level that they have is sort of at the root of some of this.
0: You know, William Shakespeare once wrote, "Heavy is the head that wears the crown." <laughs> uh, these these mm-hmm. are the problems that comes with being successful. Perennially, when you've gone to five straight AFC Championship games, when you've won two of the last four Super Bowls, when you've won seven straight AFC West division titles. Um, You are no longer the hunter. You're the hunted, right? And and that that carries a certain responsibility. It carries a certain weight. And when in in the days of free agency where you can't keep the guys that help you climb that mountain, you've got guys coming in the door who, oh, the mountain's been climbed. You're at the mountaintop. When they arrive, they don't know what it took to get there. Maybe they're taking it for granted of what's required to catch 100 balls a day. They, they don't understand what it's like to, to come in early and leave late and make sure that catching the ball, the rudimentary things of what we do gets done automatically, whether it's pass protection, whether it's the run game, whether it's pass completion, whether it's coverage on the back end. Um, it's, it's about the fundamentals, whether it's learning how to just line up without being off sides, right? Ooh. And those, you take care of the small things, the big things take care of themselves. Andy Reid knows that. Uh, many of the coaches in that building know that. But there is a disconnect. And you and you can't get back to winning at the level that we've seen at least over the last five years until you can take care of those things and those ordinary things become very automatic for you.
4: Brian B. Shining, uh welcome in, buddy. You're on with Solomon. Wilcox, and we were, you know, just talking about fun things, Christmas, and yeah. did everybody have a great <laughs> eh, eh. one? My 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 Lakers lost
5: to the Celtics. My Chiefs lost to the right. Like, both of the rivals win against my team. Listen, my Christmas was trash. You all know that. But
4: <laughs> That's it why is Solomon's it is. here. Solomon's it's here right.
5: today. help. Man, Solomon Wilcox, thank you for joining us right here on Arrowhead Allies. A pleasure to be with you. Look, man, it seems like, um it it seems easy uh, easy fix yesterday all the Raiders were doing was playing coverage 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 they rushed no more than three to four guys on it seemed like every single play so I'm like man run the ball that's why Patrick Mahomes had 10 attempts Mm -hmm. but is it easy is it that easy of a fix in game to adjust to the Raiders playing three coverage four coverage two coverage in game uh while while it's going on
0: yeah but you have to be committed right Um, The run game is not something that happens in a moment. It's an accumulative effect. For instance, I don't know if you guys ever, many of you guys have, you know, uh, the best tools money can buy. So you probably have a chainsaw. I was a kid and we used to go out and chop down, chop wood with, with an ax. And if you ever chop down a tree, you remember it don't come down with the first blow. It doesn't come down with the second blow, not even the third or the fourth. There's a time when you're wondering if you, if it ever is going to come down. And then all of a sudden, you strike it and, uh-oh, you feel the tree weakening. And next thing you know, it's coming down. That's what running the football is like in the NFL. You've got to be committed when you take the first whack. You've got to be committed early so that you can rack up the accumulation of hits, uh, rushing attempts, where they begin to crack. And where you now begin to see, that's what the running game is. It'd be great if you can hit the first one good, and now you generate some momentum. But typically in our league, it it, it does. It's an accumulative effect. I re- go back to 2017. And I remember uh, the Chiefs were playing in a playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. You have the league's leading rusher in Kareem Hunt, and he don't touch the ball the entire second half. And you lose mm-hmm. in the first round to the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Uh, Eric Bieniemy was named the offensive coordinator that offseason. I said, your job is to never, and I mean ever, let the Chiefs get away from running the football, as long as you're there. Don't you let it happen on your watch. And he didn't. And that's how you go to five straight AFC title games, because he would never let them get away from the run game. It's happening now. Now, I'm not saying that all of this is due to the absence of Eric Bieniemy. But it ain't a zero, guys. It ain't a nothing burger, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So pay attention. Just pay attention. There are some missing things. And you've got the great head coach, but even great coaches need good lieutenants. They need good generals. They need boots on the ground, making sure that the small things are getting done every single day. One thing, you may not like the guy, but he got your attention. He, you had, You had to respect him and you did what he told you to do, whether you liked it or not. That way, when game time showed up, it got done, didn't it? So all the stuff that leaks out, oh, he's hard on the player. Well, sometimes players need him to be hard on. Them, right? The Washington Commanders, that was leaking out, right? I know this, Sam. Howell's playing better than he ever has. The offense playing better than they ever have, right? Not a miracle worker, but he's going to get more out of you than you would give on your own.
2: Mm.
4: Michael, welcome in. You're on with Solomon Wilcotts, our guest here yep, yep. today.
2: So Solomon, you know the Chiefs matchup with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. Um you know they're coming off of a uh, a loss. Just w- what are the positives that you're seeing since the injury of losing uh Joe Burrow? Um and what will be the challenges for them uh against the Chiefs this Sunday?
0: Well, it's a huge challenge, right? Um the positives I've seen is They went on a three-game winning streak, um, beating some really good football teams. All of those teams that they won against, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in first place at the time, and they played them in the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts were tied for first place in the AFC South. Um, The Minnesota Vikings were knocking on the door, um, are already in playoff contention with a playoff seed when they took the field against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals fell behind in that game. Um, and came back from 14 points down. They end up scoring 24 points in the final quarter in overtime to win that game. Mm-hmm. Now, what that tells me is that this is a team with a lot of character. They're, they've lost some players due to free agency, just like the Chiefs have. But imagine the Chiefs going out there without a Patrick Mahomes and with those losses, the things that you guys have been mm-hmm. talking about today on the show. You know, it, it, That's when you find out who you really are. And I think the Bengals have found out that they've got some good players who are young in critical areas, but these are the growing pains that you go through. And I think um, sometimes you take, you tend to recede and take a step back in order to get that growth that you want. You remember what it was like when uh, the Chiefs had already won their first Super Bowl or the second, I should say, after beating the 49ers. And then they came back and played Tampa. And the offensive line going into that season, Mm -hmm. or at least we we knew it was a liability. But you had to go through that in order to go back into the draft to replenish that line, then end up winning another Super Bowl. You see? So there's Mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. I think if you go back and look at the 20-year dynasty that the Patriots had with Tom Brady, they didn't go to the Super Bowl every year despite having the greatest of them all. And I would just encourage Chief fans to understand that that mm-hmm. just because you have the greatest quarterback don't mean you have the best team just because you have the best quarterback doesn't mean you're going to win every <laughs> game doesn't mean you're going to go to every Super Bowl and win everything you want Tom Brady went to 10 right and he won, mm-hmm. he won six went to 10 in New England and won six right so I mean we just gotta you gotta understand that and just do the best you can to put the best team around Pat Mahomes and he's going to deliver. This guy is the real deal now. He's the real deal. He's a he's a competitor. Um, hey, look, I would love for you to have kept Tyreek here. I'd love for you to have kept yeah. a lot of these pieces. Today's yeah. economics is tough. That's what the Bengals are dealing with. They've had to lose Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell, who did a good job mm-hmm. in, in games against the Kansas City Chiefs. You guys know that. But they're yeah. not there anymore. So they're going through some of the growing pains. T. Higgins is a guy that Every time that Jamar Chase doesn't play, T. Higgins gives you (laughs) a game to write about. Yeah, Every single one of them, he gives you the game that lets you know who he is. And that guy, I'm telling you now, they got to find a way to keep both of those guys. Again, with today's economics, highly improbable, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're going to have to find a way to continue to build and rebuild There's going to be ebbs and flows along the way. Um, But now we know why the Green Bay Packers in 30 years only won two Super Bowls with two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Over a 30-year period, right? Uh, So you can have quarterback, I think uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have been Roethlisberger for 18 years. They won. So just because you have that great quarterback does not guarantee you're going to win it every year. All you can do is hope to be in the race, and then give it your best shot uh, when you get into the tournament. Say hello to a stressless holiday
4: season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door. Tis the season for giving and gathering. And with HelloFresh, it can also be the season of saving. Actually save money this month with fresh recipes delivered cheaper than takeout. And with pre-portioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. Did you know that HelloFresh does more than just dinners? From easy breakfast to start your morning off right to 10-minute lunches or satisfying snacks, both adults and kids will love. HelloFresh has tasty choices for every mealtime occasion. And the best part, no grocery trip required. Now, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that HelloFresh has been a game changer for me. I'm a bachelor. I live alone. I don't have a lot of cooking experience, and I don't need any. With HelloFresh, the ingredients come fresh to my door, and I'm able to follow the directions to a to create fantastic meals for myself each and every day. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Free and use starcadefree Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Free with code starcadefree. Free. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit
1: you know right. um Sol- solomon you talked uh, at the very beginning about knowing uh, eric benemy and considering him as a friend you know the past let's be honest brutally honest the last 4 years he has had substantial job interviews that he's never got the gig because he's always been looked at as well you're just It was really Andy Reid. It's not about you. Now Chiefs Kingdom is seeing that he is uh, seriously missed. You know, you look at Pro Football Focus, what they tweeted out two hours ago, hypothetically, they said the Washington Commanders could clean house and Biennemi could be fired and he could possibly be be brought back to the Chiefs staff if all that hypothetical comes uh, into fruition. You know, when you look at Biennemi and you look at how many times that he's been overlooked do you think now that he has missed so much for Kansas city that he would come back next year as an offensive coordinator or hypothetically like pro football focus is saying in January, if all the planets line up. First of all,
0: can't you see Andy Reid saying, you know what, Eric, we need you. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I can see that. I can see yeah. that now. I'm, that's no knock against Matt Nagy. This is not really directed or pointed at him. It's just, we're just talking about the obvious elephant right. that's in the room, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, now I do know that Eric absolutely loves Andy Reid, absolutely respects him, as we both do. And I've always yeah. talked to him about Andy is the best thing that ever happened to you. Lean into that. You're going to learn more about football, any coach, anywhere. and But the more time you spend with him, you get to learn more than these other guys who had a cup of coffee with him and then went went off and got a job. Mm. So let's just stay in there. And he always did. He always was patient. He never panicked because he knew he had one of the best coaches you could ever be around and one of the best quarterbacks you could ever be around. His five years as an offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator was like being in the Garden of Eden. You see? So mm. he understood that. And if someone ever asked you to come back to the garden, wouldn't you come if that, <laughs> that opportunity <laughs> was presented? So I'm, look, I don't claim to speak for him. I have not talked to him. I don't know what he would do. I, You know, he needs some time to exhale because he put everything into everything he does. And he put everything into this job of the Washington Commanders. I would say he fulfilled his mission because he will have left it better than he found it. That's all any of us can do. I do know this. If he's in, if he's invited back into that room, and was and was given the authority to do what he does, there's going to be some players that say, "Hey guys, it's a new day." The veteran guys are going to be telling young guys, "It's a new day around here, bro." Mm-hmm. Hey, line line up off sides if you want to, but hey, and guess what? It takes it off Pat Mahomes, doesn't it? Yeah, Pat Mahomes just get to do his job, which is what he really should do anyway. He should yeah. not have to go out and enforce or have to yell at guys. His job is so big and it's so it it requires so much in terms of the focus and, and his abilities and his talents that he should not have to be yelling at guys about getting lined up. And you can see with the officials week after week, it's starting to grade, it's starting to wear on him, right? Because he's mm-hmm. given everything he's got and he's trying to figure out, okay, what more can I give? And that's where coaches come into play. That's where leadership comes into play at the next level that uh, the players will be held accountable at a much higher level than Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I think it would help. I think it would make a difference. Um, and I, I do believe this. If that happened, the Kansas City Chiefs would be a much better football team. Mm. They, you are not going to see this point production drop to what it's become. You're not going to see the turnovers mount. You're not going to see the lack of attention to detail. That's what you're not going to see. Those things go away.
3: Yeah. And speaking on that, we've seen kind of Dan Orlovsky and guys, uh, some analysts go through and look at the receivers and how they're not reading coverages the same as Patrick is post snap. uh, They might be given a post uh, and the play call, but then there's a middle safety right in that hole and they're running right to it. And Mahomes is throwing them on a go where it's wide open. They should take that. So when a quarterback is losing trust in his receivers to read the defense the same way he's doing it and being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there, how difficult does that make it on the quarterback? And you see Mahomes kind of second-guessing, not really firing into throws. He's kind of laying it out there, tossing it, trying to guess. Are they going to be where I expect them to be? How difficult does that make that on him and this offense?
0: It's tough on everybody. It's tough on those guys too because – Listen, they are being, some of them are young, like a Sky Moore, right? Um, and Kadarius Tony hadn't played a whole lot, even when he was with the Giants, missed a lot of time even last year. So it missed a lot of time in training camp, right? And so as he's trying to adjust and trying to grow, and the quarterback's trying to adjust and trying to grow, and it's misfires in practice, misfires in games, and now the turnovers are going up, the explosive plays are coming down, and uh, by the, this time of year, you should be clicking. These things should not even be a problem any any longer. And we know it's not the quarterback because we've seen he has a large enough body of work where you, you know you can give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have that problem with Travis. Um, and so it's the other guys, and it's taken way too long. There's no doubt. Um, and really, at the end of the day, listen, I think even Brett Veach quietly when this is all over, he and Andy are going to have a talk. You know what? We bet on some guys and and we lost last year. We bet on some guys and we won, right? They bet on guys in the secondary uh, last year, youthful guys, and they won. And those guys I think still are playing well, by the way, they're developing and growing. We're really talking about the wide receiver room, unfortunately, but um, listen, the ad lib stuff, it's off script. And when it's working, you develop this consistency of what we're going to do in these moments. When it's not working, um, I can tell you right now, you never develop any concrete fundamentals. And now it really becomes even more precarious as the games get bigger and the moments, third down, red zones, those moments, those situational uh, moments become even more heightened. And uh, it's really about the players working it out with the quarterback. And Travis Kelsey has that chemistry. I I tell people he is a football servant Yeah, because he mm. plays quarterback position. He runs routes better than any tight end we've ever seen in the history of our game. He understand where the areas are. He knows when to settle. He knows when to keep it up, when to push the route. Um, he knows where the holes are. And he and the quarterback, because they've had time together and they've been consistent at working it out in practice, and he lets them do it, right? What happens, you tend to get other guys like, well, I'm gonna do what Travis does. No, dude, that ain't who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you go doing any of that. <laughs> right. So it's uh it, so there's some there's some stitching together um that needs to be taking place. And I heard Pat say, hey, we gotta clean it up. But listen, guys, we're we're going into week 16 and 17. 17, right?
2: Yeah, 17. yeah.
0: It, this ought to be cleaned up. Uh, for the for the teams that are taking off, they have already left um, uh, the runway because they're gaining altitude <laughs> now. That that deal is already that ship is sailed. So um, that's why it's rather unfortunate and and very concerning.
5: Mm.
3: Uh
0: well, the Tampa Bay
5: Buccaneers in 2020 and the Cincinnati Bengals in 2021, they like figured out the blueprint to really like beat the Chiefs, which was maximize coverage, delay your rush, you know, with those ends that they have in Cincinnati with 91 and 94, they are really pesky and they have been the peskiest of D ends for Patrick Mahomes in his uh, career. But do you expect for, and and the Raiders just copied that same blueprint last week. With that being said, do you do you think Lou Anarum, uh, Anarumo uh and that defense in Cincinnati to 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 kind of copy what the Raiders did and which was their original plan in 2021 in the AFC Championship game this week?
0: Yeah, I I would agree with you. That was an original plan uh from from Lou Anarumo. and I do think a lot of other people have copied that because the Bengals had won what uh three out of four games against the Chiefs using oh. that plan and they had been successful doing that um, in the AFC North against, uh, Lamar Jackson. And so, um, and you, you're right. You got to understand that, um, you know, Sam Hubbard is a former high school defensive back from Molar high school in Cincinnati When before he ever got to Ohio state. So he tracks really well, he runs really well. And when you can have that delayed rusher, what you do is you're going to funnel where you want the quarterback to escape and extend. And then you, are going to sneak a guy in there late to fill that rush lane. And you almost kind of push the quarterback into a trap. And because Mahomes has been running for his life, I think he's much more susceptible and vulnerable to that. I think the way that he adjusted to it last year as they were going through the playoffs, he was very patient about not pushing the ball down the field, even though they were double covered over the top. But he also knew that he had to get the ball out faster and quicker, so he didn't have to run into those traps. He doesn't have guys who are getting open, by the way, at, at currently at this time. Mm-hmm. And he is forced to hold on to the ball a little bit longer so that they can uncover and then try to get the ball in there. But that's forcing him now to run into trouble, hold on to the ball longer, taking more sacks, taking more hits. And that's where the injuries begin to mount. And so I think the concern um, is, is ratcheting up a little bit for Mahomes. And I think the coaching point has got to be, let's get back to throwing in the rhythm. Let's try to scheme up some guys getting open. And let's mm-hmm. get the ball out in a hurry to try to get uh, the offense in rhythm. And let's try to be successful in the run game on early downs, right? And when you can do that, you keep them in third and medium, third, four, third and five, and he can convert in those situations. I think that's, you got to kind of move backwards before you move forward uh, before you can look for the explosive plays. Cause right now those plays aren't happening.
4: Solomon, I want to get off of uh, the current times for just a little bit and, Talk about Super Bowl Twenty Three, which uh, you played in for the Cincinnati Bengals against the San Francisco 49ers. It's the first Super Bowl I remember watching as a kid and just the grand spectacle that it was and seeing what you know Joe Montana did in that close game, and you guys are right there. And just as a young player, uh, I think it was only your, what, second year in the league at that time yeah. going to the Super Bowl with the Bengals. Yeah. Take us through that, whether it was like playing in Joe Robbie Stadium there in Miami, and the, obviously the Bengals uh, have, have not been back to a Super Bowl since then. So – a sense of pride that that has to be for you guys. Obviously, can they win 21 20, games?
2: Yeah, 21, 2021.
4: Yeah, yeah we, yes, they yeah. didn't have it won one since I haven't won yeah, one they, yet. They've
2: been
0: but, back with the same outcome,
2: right? They've know, been so, certainly,
0: I, right <laughs> we the, know that right, too well here. Yeah, right up to the last minute, you know. So, look, I, I grew up in Southern <laughs> California, um, and I went to high school in Riverside, California, which is where Ronnie Lott, the great 49er Hall of Fame, one of the greatest defensive backs, who I had always looked up to, but he and Kenny easily were at USC and UCLA. When we would all go to those games, when we were like in elementary school, middle school. And uh, by the time we got to high school and I went to the high school in the same area where Ronnie went and we were fortunate because he came back. And I remember while I was in college, he was already playing for the Niners. I already won a couple of Super Bowls and uh, I was working at Sid Gilman uh, camp and all these great coaches who would later become very famous. You may know them by the name of, of uh, Brian Billick and Sean Payton and John Fox. They were all coaching in college at the time. And I remember hmm. being there with them, and I was a camp counselor. And Ronnie Lott, Marcus Allen, those guys came into the camp, and they took me and a, and a high school teammate of mine out to lunch. Now, imagine you're a high school kid um, just going into college, and you know these guys are taking time to talk to you about what it's like coming into the NFL. And I just remember just locking in on all that information. It helped me through my college years of development. And next thing you know, I'm walking on the field, and guess who's on the other side? Ronnie Lott.
2: Ronnie Lott.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I knew he was all business, man. I wasn't going over there to try to talk to him. He was all business. And we knew studying for that team, because Bill Walsh had started his career in Cincinnati, and Sam Weiss hmm. was his first offensive coordinator. In fact, Sam used to be one of his quarterbacks that he coached in Cincinnati. And so we knew that offense to a T. We knew that it was all predicated on a physical run game, just like the Niners are today. It's the same offense. It was predicated on a physical run game, um, real timing and precision, fast off the ball, quick pass game, and you had to tackle in space. Because if you don't tackle them, everything is predicated on creating yards after catch, yards after contact. Now you gotta imagine we were playing against guys like Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Brett yeah. Jones, um, Tom Rathman, and Roger Craig. Those were the five <laughs> eligible. <elderly. Ooh. laughs> now, now look, I know they got <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, but you know who was the first guy to catch for a thousand and rush for a thousand? Roger I Craig. So they don't. They're not playing with anything better than what we were facing in that Super Bowl. So. Christian McCaffrey, that's Roger Craig. Same guy. We had Joe Montana. This team's got Debo Samuel, but all due respect, he ain't Jerry Rice, you see? Mm -hmm. And and I would say Brandon (laughs) Ayuk is very similar to, to, um, to, you know, John Taylor, Taylor, absolutely. And, uh, and then the tight ends are very similar. And Brent, Mm -hmm. Brent Jones, I think they're very similar. It, dude, it was real. And guess what the score was at halftime? Three, three. Look, they even, they even had a, they even had Hughes check with tom radman that's exactly right <laughs> there you go I mean, they were. Look, my brother's a 49ers fan so i know all about those yeah, teams they man. Were <laughs> hey man we held them to 20 points in the game our offense didn't score a touchdown the only touchdown we scored was on a kickoff return by stanford mm-hmm. Jennings, and we came up 40 seconds short yeah that's a story for another day I get upset because <laughs> I, I, but <laughs> all I know, is go look at all their other Super Bowls. They hung fifty a couple of years later yeah. on San Diego,
2: mm-hmm.
0: with with Junior Seau and Rodney Harris. Yeah.
3: They hung the next 50 year against Denver them, too.
0: That's yeah. right. On Denver, right. they hung fifty on yeah, Denver. Next year. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
3: that so, was the next
5: year,
0: and then ninety-four. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So I look. I know we had a hell of a game. Now we didn't win it. But I'm going to tell you right now, when we walked off the field, they gave us much respect. We gave them much respect. It really was one of the great Super Bowls because it was a hard-hitting game, and
1: mm-hmm. it came
0: down to the defense. You know, we had the number one-ranked offense. We don't score an offense touchdown. I, we pro- Look, you don't score a touchdown against these Niners teams, you're getting blown out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of how that went. But that's, those are the things that I remember most about, about that game
3: and john candy was in the yeah. building
0: oh yeah and john candy was in the building it's, almost, so it's almost like- that name i get i get pissed off but <laughs> sorry he, yeah he god bless his soul right it's yeah. almost like the chiefs <laughs> losing to the raiders
4: when the aiden o'connell doesn't complete a pass uh pass the first quarter <laughs> it's all these
2: crazy things michael crazy. last
4: thing i'm going to let you get one in yeah. before we let uh, solomon go here so solomon
2: you you know we have to talk about it you being a former colorado guy yeah. Uh, we, we see what, what Prime is doing, bringing that attention and energy to that program. Started off with such a high this season, ended with uh, some very low lows. Just what's your thoughts on the, the program uh, moving forward and what uh, Dion has brought to uh, Colorado so far?
0: Yeah, those of us who are really close to the program, we did not expect double digit wins after suffering double mm-hmm. digit losses one year ago. You don't turn around a program that quickly. I, I, I think. Um, people have had a hard time of digesting what they're actually seeing because we've never seen this happen before. We've never, you know, free agency didn't exist in college football before. It had existed for coaches. <laughs> it, had, it hadn't existed for players. You throw in the money that is NIL, which is an operating budget. Okay, some teams have been doing that. They're called SMU. Right. (laughs) But but, but it wasn't it wasn't done above, uh, you know, on the table. It wasn't as transparent as it is today. So now with all of those things being done more transparently, Colorado has become the lightning rod or the place that people like, wow, do you see what's happening here? Oh, half the team left. And then you don't know if Dion forced them out or if they left on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what, when I was at Colorado, Bill McCartney is the coach I played for. So did Eric B. Enemy. Um, so did um, you know, Connor Embry, your wide receiver coach, his dad, um, played mm-hmm. on those teams with a Charles Johnson friends, John Embry. Yeah. So no, look, Coach Mac told us, I'm running you off. I remember first day of practice, he he told I'm running you off. <laughs> now, what he was really saying is those who aren't willing to put in work, I, I can't wait to get you out of here. And he mm. had come from the University of Michigan where up above the sign, Bo Schimbechler said, those who stay will be champions. What he didn't say, I'm running you off. And the ones who stay, those are the ones I know really want to be here because what I'm about to put you through, you're going to have to earn it. And that's the same mm. thing you saw in the Junction boys, Right with Coach Bear Bryant when he coached at Texas mm-hmm. A&M. He worked them until he found out who really wanted it and who didn't. It's always been a part of football, guys. And for whatever reason, people look at Dion like he's some Machiavellian coach. He's just <laughs> – it's about the competitiveness. This is not a situation where everybody gets trophy. This yep. is not a situation because you got a scholarship. You get to keep it, even though you're not interested in winning games. You're not interested in putting in work and turning around a program. It's hard to go from the bottom of college football to the top. I know what that's like because I was a part of it. It's hard. And, and a lot of people, I'm telling you, are not cut out for it. And you've got to create a system just like you did, you would if you went and joined a top law firm or a top mm-hmm. uh, Fortune 500 or top 100 company. They're going to give you 90 days to prove you deserve to stay. Okay. And, and they're going to send some people walking. It's just a no matter what group you're going to be in. That's what we do every year at the end of training camp, right? We don't keep everybody. We start off with 90. We finish with 53. And, and, and I think college is a good place to learn that. Now it should be done judiciously and fairly. But competition is a part of this thing. And if you yep. create a scenario where there isn't competition – I'll show you a team that's going to lose 11 and 12 games because that's yeah. who we were before Dion showed up.
3: Yeah, and talking about that, uh, with Deion Sanders saying you put in the work or you're not right here for Colorado, we had uh, Tim Grunhard, a former Chiefs center on uh, earlier this week, and he said if Marty was coaching this team, there oh. would have been some players cut already to show we're not putting up with this any longer.
0: Hey, Marty was my guy now. He and Carl Peterson, every time I came in to call Kansas City Chiefs games, The time I would spend with them, and you're right, man. Marty Schottenheimer, there's my guy, Kevin Harlan. Oh, what a group, Uh, what a duo. Oh, man. We miss you on CBS, dog. We miss you on (laughs) there. I appreciate it. We had had great times. We spent great times with the coach, and Marty was a guy that knew how football should be played. And uh, you had to be a tough, hard-nosed guy now to stick around, and uh, you were going to win games, and the other team was going to respect you. Um, but look, I, I'm a big admirer of Andy Reid. Um, mm-hmm. He is a genius at what he does, and there's—I think he's the only guy to be the all-time winningest coach with two franchises. So you're—you're in—you're in a period of prosperity. And I know this is not a grand Christmas for you guys, considering <laughs> how the game turned out. But he'll—he'll—he'll he'll, he'll, he'll get you back in the winning circle,
4: <clears throat> Solomon. It was a grand Christmas because we got to spend some time for you with you, man. Uh, yep. Cannot thank you enough. For this, it was tremendous. We'll see you coming up here in Vegas uh, at Radio Row. we to grab you. Bring your composure, because by then I may need two or three bottles. Uh, for <laughs> from where we're heading right now, buddy. Uh, bring thank you some so much. For,
0: I'll bring some for everyone. Okay. We, we got to do this. We got to do this again. You. Yeah, You're a blast you. and great stuff, man. All right. All the best. Absolutely. Care,
3: appreciate all. you. It's an honor.